Hello and welcome to another Thursday Video Mana Podcast. I'm Pastor Jeff Glenn and it's my pleasure to take you through the Word each week. Um, last week we were in the first part of Genesis 9 and this week we're going to finish up with Genesis 18 through 28. And so that's just 10 verses and so take a few minutes if you already haven't. And you can go ahead and pause and, and read through those. I really help you through these um, through these manas as we're doing it in this format with these big chunks. Um, Fair warning, this is more of a PG, maybe PG-13 kind of a manna. Uh, Just do the subject matter and then some um, of the commentaries who have more of a a PG-13 kind of take on what's going on here. And so we won't dwell on that. We'll just mention that. Um, I think it's fair to kind of represent um, all sides and be a little thorough in in our Bible study. It's certainly okay to look at uh, commentaries from all over the place after we've dug into the Word. Um, so let's dive in. Um, Noah, after writing out the flood, has you know, been through this, no doubt, a traumatic event. And um, he emerges from the ark with his, with his sons and with his wives and with Mrs. Noah. And he be- begins to, to become a farmer. And you know, so far, so good, right? So Adam had been instructed to till the ground. And so here we have Noah who begins to take care of the ground in this in this new garden, if you will, and um, he plants a vineyard. And while it doesn't say so, it's, it's obvious that from the text that, you know, he, he further processed that uh, grapes into wine. And then in verse 21, it reads, he became drunk by the wine. And so we don't know how much he drank. Um, but as the story goes, he's he's drunk and he's found uncovered in his tent by his son Ham. And Ham goes and tells his brothers about his dad being naked in the tent. But rather than, than look upon their father laying there naked, uh, they take a garment and they put it over their shoulders and they walk backwards and uh, they cover their father without seeing him naked. And so... Um, at this point, the story goes that Noah wakes up and curses Ham's son, uh, Canaan. And so, like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, so what is this drunken Noah story all about? Like, what are we, what are we to take from that? And so, l- let me tell you a little Bible secret. Nobody knows, right? Um, God does. God, God knows why he inspired this story to be here. And there is some things that we can get out of it, but... It should be okay for us to say, hey, I just, I just don't know what this passage of text is saying. Like, what? Um, you know, because when we look to the commentaries, we see the theories are all over the place. And, um, you know, people are telling us what this story is supposed to be about. And, and, you know, some of them get, like I said, some are pretty PG-13. Some of them are all over the place. So where we don't have a, a clear consensus on what exactly the text means, um, we still have to do our work. We still have to work... Um, to be workmen so that we can figure out what the text says. Um, but when there's many different interpretations, that pretty much means hey, we, we just don't know. And we should be okay in saying that because it leaves us then open for revelation from the Lord. I think sometimes we get caught up in, oh, I'm, I'm the Bible teacher. I got to know this. I've got the whatever PhD or seminary degree. I should know this. But 
But um, it's okay to say we don't know because that leaves us open to, to God revealing to us what he wants us for. And so this is where we come into the PG-13 part where people start speculating about what this story is. And so some speculate that Ham must have done something sexual to Noah and or that he saw Noah doing something sexual. And so the reason they say this, well, the, the, the text says that Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. So Ham must have done something to him. Um, and then they say, well, Noah's response was too outsized for it to be simply just Noah being found naked. Right? We see this in the curse of his son, Canaan. But that's all speculation. It makes, you know, there, there's no mention in these commentaries about speculation that perhaps Noah was still drunk when he woke up. Maybe he was hung over. Maybe this was a overreaction in punishing Ham's son um, for him being embarrassed for being for being drunk and naked and so um, that's you know that's also also speculation so if, if we're going to get on the speculation bandwagon then then we can really be tossed to and fro so we simply we simply don't know but God does and so let's review a, a few Bible study basics to maybe pull us back in from the extreme so that we can get at what God has for us. We know that all scripture is God-breathed, which means that it's written under inspiration by God, by the Holy Spirit. And it's therefore, it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, right? And the purpose is so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, so this has to, has to provide that. And that's from 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 18. So um, another part of the defense of the all-over-the-place commentaries is some will say, well, this was an oral teaching, and some parts were left out, and that's kind of why we don't know the details about naked Noah or what Ham did or didn't do. But that goes against 2 Timothy 3. We know that this was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Moses was inspired to write what God wanted him to write. And so we have what God wants us to have here in this story. And so um, some would say that this verse, so they would use this verse, this story, to jump off into an anti-drinking wine sermon, some kind of abolitionist sermon. But that too, that doesn't follow a proper Bible study. So we can't use a topic that's mentioned in a story um, to, to jump off in and just just focus in on that topic. There's lots of stuff in here that we need to dig into rather than just the, dr the drunkenness. And so, um, so if we're going to look at that, right, we, we see that what, we ask this question, right? We need to ask, what is God saying? What does God want us to know? And then in this case, why did God inspire Moses to write this, right? So it isn't so that the freed Hebrew slaves wouldn't drink. We need to remember that context, that this was when this was written, after the, the Hebrews came out of their captivity in Egypt um, when they needed the instruction, and Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. So if God would have wanted them to not drink, he had plenty of opportunity through the first five books of the Bible. And so Moses, being inspired by God, which was most likely oral tradition, but he was writing what God inspired him to write. So there's a few problems with the this means don't drink approach. First, Romans 4.15 says, for the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. So we have to look to the law to see, what, well, what then does, does the law 
that Moses gave to the Hebrew children um, after their captivity, what does that say? And we see the first prohibition against drinking wine in a tent, curiously enough, was a restriction on the priests not to drink. And we see that in Leviticus 10.9. Drink no wine or strong drink, you or your sons with you, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. So from all the speculation going on, if we wanted to continue to speculate, we could say, well, Noah's tent was a precursor to uh, the tabernacle, this tent of meeting, and for him to drink there was why Ham was shocked, and that's why Noah overreacted by cursing Canaan. But again, that's just speculation. Um, so the, the third um, th reason that we see that this is not an anti-drinking passage is Deuteronomy 14.26. This is instruction for how um, they were to give their tithes, give their respect and honor to God. In Deuteronomy 14.26, um, if, if they didn't have the ability to travel where God's presence was, uh, bringing the tenth of all that they had, right? So if you have all this stuff, a tenth of your grain, your tenth of your sheep, a tenth of your crops, and it's hard for you to carry all of that all the way to where God's presence was, it was, it was given to them that they could sell that tenth and use that money to buy things. And so it says in Deuteronomy 14, 26, then you may spend the money on anything you desire, cattle, sheep, wine, strong drink, or anything you wish. And then it goes on to say that. So if God had wanted a complete prohibition or a further commentary on drunken Noah, he had plenty of opportunity to do it in, in the first five books of the, of the Bible. And we're just taking a look at a few of these instances here of the main ones that really deal with, with drinking and God's instructions toward that. So now we can look at this story as an object lesson, which I, which I think is entirely appropriate. We see that nothing good came from this incident of, of Noah drinking to drunkenness. And so that's, I think, where the, where the crux is here, is, is the word naked here in the original language has this connotation of being disgraced. So it's used in, in the practice of ancient conquerors when they strip their captives bare and then parade them back into their homeland to humiliate them. And so whatever that looked like, Noah was clearly in a state of um, drunkenness to where he had become humiliated in his, in his nakedness. And Shem and Japheth wanted to honor him and, and spare him that further embarrassment. And so we don't know exactly what, if anything, other than Ham going and telling his brothers that his dad was naked. We don't know if he did anything else to him, but, but we can see a pattern forming here that we'll see generation after generation. We see a man chosen by God to represent his people, and then we see that man fail, and fail miserably. So it, it proves to us that, that we're not to look to man for our comfort or our reward or our rescue. You know, we see that Noah put his family in a very awkward situation by drinking to excess and, and shameless nakedness. And the important part here is that Noah's actions impacted his family long after his time on earth was through. And then more importantly, we see that this pattern of a man selected by God failing miserably proves to us, right, that we see that Noah was not the head of the family that we need, and he was not the leader that we need. 
And so Noah proved that we need a better leader or needed a better leader. The, the Hebrews needed a better leader than Noah. They needed a better head of the family. And we, on this side of the cross, we find our way into that family with a perfect leader, a perfect head of the family with our Heavenly Father. We find our way into that family through Jesus Christ. And so that's the important part. I think that's what we can glean from this story is to see our, our better leader in Jesus. So stay encouraged and stay in the Word.